0: You can um, flick those Bibles open to Romans 4 and 5. We'll be there in a second. I was overcome with the feeling and desire to dance. And you all know what that means. (laughs) Thank you, Sam. No, I'm not going to. It's all right. I'm just rearranging. For all those who suddenly got worried and went, oh, no. It's all good. It's all okay. Beautiful work. Um, Before we do go to Romans 4 and 5, just got a couple of things I want to say. Yes, I have had a haircut. Just a trim. <laughs> and, and here's the deal. Basically, after a very poor effort against Carlton on Friday night, I'm trying to help the Geelong football team, and I figure that I might get a game this week if I look a little bit more like Ablett, Chapman, Harley, Johnson, all the other Ball brothers that play for Geelong. That was... No, that was nothing to do with it. Actually, what happened was, while Nicky's been away... You know, I've had everything under control, don't you worry about that, it's all good. Place runs like a tight ship, all good. I miss my wife, I'll tell you that, that's the, that's the worst part. The organising is not hard, I mean my life is about event management and organising, so actually getting stuff done is, is not that tricky. It's the sort of, where you get to nine o'clock at night, everything's done, the washing's done, the dishes are done, the kids are in bed, the homework, oh, shirts are ironed. dogs are fed, it's all done, I just like to talk to my wife, she's not there. So that's oh, You could feel sorry for me if you wanted to, uh, but please don't fake it. <laughs> Thank you for trying. Um, but while nikki has been away, I was getting several jobs done, washing the cars and things yesterday and getting all organised, and uh, I suddenly felt the need to have a haircut. I haven't had a haircut for about 15 years, it may surprise you to know. <laughs> Bald men don't get their hair cut very often. Because there's no need. My wife just runs the thing over the thing, you know, and it's all done. But she hasn't been around, so I'm like, oh, I think I'll go to the hairdresser. So I picked a random hairdresser. I didn't even know where they were. I just picked a random one, put, parked, and said, would you please cut my hair? She's <laughs> she looked kind of surprised, actually, as if to say, but sir, you have none. Um, but she didn't say that. She said, sure, that'll only be $10. I got the hint from that that, in fact, it's normally way more than that. But she was giving me a serious discount because it just wasn't worth it. Um, so I, she's, I sat down and she got talking. She's a very talkative young lady. Talk, talk, talk. I was talking back. And uh, I, all, all I said was just, yeah, give it a trim, you know, just once over with the with the things. And um, I forgot to kind of mention to her that maybe like on a level two or something would be good. <laughs> And after she started going, I went, oh. <laughs> and she looked and she went, it was what you wanted, wasn't it? I went, yeah, that'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, so I did, uh, did quickly get in touch with Nikki on the other side of the world and say, Dale, when you get back tomorrow, um, don't freak out, but I don't have any hair. <laughs> and I noticed later she was Facebooking, if that's the correct uh, terminology, with Chloe, our daughter. And I just snuck in and said, Chloe, what what's Mum saying?" <laughs> she was saying, "What does Daddy's hair really look like? Be honest." <laughs> Love it. Anyway, we'll find out today when I take it up to her. Take it up to her like it's a <laughs> like it's a product here. Have this. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Nikki does get back today, so thank you for your your prayers and care and concern over the last ten days or so. And they've had a fabulous time, by the way. Just to, I'll let her talk when she gets back officially, but. Um, as an individual, as a a nurse, in a sense, still in training. Nikki's still learning and she has been exposed to some things in in theatre, in the medical world that she uh, she said she would never have had the opportunity to do here in Geelong. Um, She's been scrubbed up and gowned up and involved in uh, operations to repair burns victims and cleft palates. And because the surgeon was there, while they were there, they did a few other things, removing tumours and Um, She did a caesarean birth as well, uh, all sorts of things. So she's had an incredible time um, and they've been able to really, really help some families, lots of families that have come in from the islands into the the hospital. Um, Word passes around very quickly that there's a medical team here and and help can be uh, sought and given. So they've really felt uh, used, uh, which is great and had a fantastic time. So I'll let her give you all the details. But yeah, she sounds really, really happy, which is a good thing. Um, just quickly, one more thing, if I can. Can I just speak as a father in the house for a second? Is that okay? You all right? It's not, a, it's not a bad thing. I just think we should note this and, as a family, take it on board. Fantastic that we generously were able to put $800 into the uh, global offering last week. I did, however, notice that our tithes went down by $1,000 for the week. So I kind of go, oh, ouch, okay, we just better mention that straight up front, that as a church, please, can we be exceedingly careful that we are being really biblical too in what we're doing, that we take our tithes, the 10%, the first fruit, and we bring it into the house every week, and that's our tithe. And then once a month, we're bringing in an offering, separate amount of money. If we start taking the offering and putting it into the tithes or taking the tithes and putting it into the offering, we're going to be in serious trouble. Church can't run if we can't continue to pay the bills and those sort of things. Does that make sense? Is that okay if I talk like that? Turn to the person next to you and say, I hate talking about money, but I'm glad he did. I needed to know that. Good with that? That's a long sentence. Just say it anyway. Beautiful work. We're going to read from Romans chapter 4 verse 22 in one second. Let's just pray before we do. Heavenly Father as we approach your word this morning God we do so with reverence and awe that you deserve with the respect Heavenly Father that you absolutely deserve what we have for you. God we love you and this morning as we open your word And attempt to learn from your word, Lord Jesus. We pray that it's your heart, your spirit that guides us and teaches us. Uh, God, man says all sorts of things and uh, some of these things no doubt will be thoughts of mine. So, God, we pray that those thoughts are taken away. uh, They become irrelevant, God. What we want is your heart. What we want is truth from you, your spirit, to sink into our hearts, to change us and help us to grow and affect the world your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Be with us right now. In your mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Do you want to open the Bible to Romans chapter 4? Verse 22 is where we left off two weeks ago. Learning a new normal, number 10. Today, learning a new normal, number 11. So we'll read from verse 22 and I'm going to go through to about 5.5. So we'll cross over into Romans 5. This is why It was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, talking about Abraham, I'll come back to that, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ I had a conversation this week with a friend of mine who's uh, not not connected to God, not a Christian, uh, not connected to a church, knows sort of, in a sense, very little about God or Christianity or church life or or faith as, as a subject. And I was chatting to him about all sorts of different things and enjoying a latte, as we do. And uh, he asked me what I was doing, you know, this week and what I'd be involved with, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And in explaining that... Uh, I mentioned that I would be preparing a message, as I do most weeks when I preach on most Sunday mornings. And he said, well, you know, as I explained that and talked about it, he said, gee, that takes up a lot of time. You spend a fair bit of time preparing those sort of things, but why do you spend so long preparing it? And surely, you know, when I said, well, sometimes I can speak for 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour if, you know, (laughs) if the people aren't asleep... Um, just sort of we just keep going just work through what god's saying he said wow that's long why don't you save yourself a whole lot of time during the week don't prepare as much just give him five minutes (laughs) i said hey (laughs) i said well yeah maybe (laughs) What, what are you getting at he said well sometimes you know less words more impact i said yeah i can agree with that i got i got interested for a second for a second that's rude isn't it (laughs) I was interested in his whole conversation (laughs) and it reminded me actually of uh, a famous speech so I did a little bit of homework to find out but I I remembered this from school days and yes it was true Winston Churchill in 1941 uh, was back at his old school Harrow School in London and he was invited to be the guest speaker and it was in the time obviously when uh, 1941 things were going a little haywire in Britain and around Europe and he was the Prime Minister of the day, so he had a fair responsibility resting on his shoulders, speaking to a packed hall of young people who were hanging on his every word, expecting the guest speaker, the Prime Minister, to prattle on for hours. He stood up and legend has it that he looked out across the room and he said, Never give in. Never, ever, 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 ever give in. And he sat down. And people who apparently were in the room said it was one of the most impacting speeches they've ever heard. Because it was short, sharp, directly to the point, and that was it. I got thinking about that in terms of church, church life, what we do, what we believe, what we say, what we spend our time on, and I thought, if I was given and only had minutes to speak... If I only had one sentence I could utter, if I, if I was restricted from waffling on, everyone said amen, if I was only able to utter one sentence this morning, what would I say? What would I actually say? Faced with a couple of hundred people I know pretty well, faced with the thought of, oh, everything you do and say is going to have an effect, what would I say? Well, I thought about it, it didn't take long actually, it was almost instantaneous. All I would say is this, God loves you. God loves you. God really, really, really loves you. And then I'd be quite happy to sit down. Now some of you are thinking, oh that was quick. (laughs) You're beauty, we're out of here today. Well, we don't have any time constraints so I'm going to speak for at least another hour. But underneath everything I say today and every single time I ever stand here and anywhere else for that matter, I hope and pray that underneath it there is that one simple message, that God loves you and me. He loves us. He really, 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 really loves us. That's the foundational heart of this message and every other message I'll ever preach, it's the foundation of the Word of God. It's the entire reason that God created the world and wants to have relationship and communion with us, and it's the entire reason that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to live on earth, to experience what we experience and go to the cross and die on our behalf, because He loves us. So no matter no matter what else we, we may add to that, or no matter what else we may learn and how educated we become and how theological we, we, we struggle to be and how many 57 points for this and 33 ways to look at this. At the end of the day, God loves you. God really, really, really loves you. That's part of us learning a new normal. Today, I want to take that thought and a little bit from what we just read in Romans 4 and 5, and just pat it out just a tad. Learning a new normal number 11, or if you want a subtitle, Staying Sane in a Crazy World. Two weeks ago we looked at, because it was two weeks, it was last week, if you were here, Pastor Zoran preached and preached a fantastic message. Uh, and if you weren't here and you want a copy of that, I'm sure we can arrange that through the new system up the back there after the service. A fantastic message from Pastor Zoran last week, so grab hold of that. Two weeks ago, we um, had a look at learning a new normal number 10, subtitled My Set of Legs, which sounds strange if you weren't there (laughs) and you you didn't hear it. But it was simply about uh, the image of a small child looking for its parental set of legs in a crowd and and being able to find the legs to cling on to, looking for the right security and strength looking for its home, its its set of legs. And us going through that and reading that Abraham, Abraham was able to discover that God is the set of legs worth clinging to, that God is our set of legs. In that, two weeks ago, we then move on from that. I need to say that because otherwise verse 22, where we started today, won't make any sense because it starts with, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. What was credited to him? Abraham's actions, Abraham's actions and choices, Abraham's attitude, actions and choices were credited to him as righteousness. That means, in verse 24, it it basically takes the next step, the words credited to him, it means that there was a a reward, an award, it was credited to him. If someone rings you up and says, "Uh, hello, it's uh, Fred from the ANZ Bank and we have credited to your account, $5,000. Woohoo! That wasn't a prophecy, but let's hope. Um, We know what that means. We know that that's something that we we didn't expect, we didn't see it coming, we don't necessarily deserve it, but someone has said, I've credited that to you, I have given that to you. So, for the Bible to say that Abraham was credited righteousness, it means that God in His wholeness God in His reality, the love of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness and grace and love and power of God was called righteousness, is called righteousness, and was credited to Abraham because he chose to believe. Because of what we read last week that never did he waver. Because in here, unwavering in his faith, without weakening in his faith, the Bible says, he clung on to the things of God. And as a result... It was credited to him as righteousness. The best bit about that for us today, a couple of thousand years later, is the next verse, verse 24, that says, Not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. So it's not just for Abraham. This deal, this arrangement, this ability of God, to credit righteousness to those who believe in Him. It still exists. We still have the opportunity to be credited righteousness, something we don't deserve, but freely accept the love and power of God if if we choose to believe in Him and follow and love and serve Him. See, the way it seems to work with God, I'm realizing more and more and more, it's actually more and more simple than we believe. We tend to complicate these things. But with God, it's so simple. The deal is done, finished. The work is complete. The negotiations are over. The price is paid. Our only role is to believe. To believe. To actually accept that God loves you. To accept that God has shed His blood for you. To accept that God wants you to be in relationship with Him and He wants to credit you with righteousness. And he's ready and willing and able to do that. If we believe, if we accept that, we get to kind of move into Romans chapter 5. We read the first five verses. Therefore, since we have been justified, if we choose to allow God to justify us through faith, our choice, our belief, then what do we get? We have peace with God. Peace. That's a, that's a great result. How many people would like to live in peace? I think it'd be lovely. That's a result of choosing to connect ourselves with God. He will credit righteousness, and you will walk in peace. We're justified through our faith. We receive faith. We live in it. we live in peace, and then it moves on. And this is a bit I find particularly staggering and probably difficult for most of us. It says, and we also rejoice. Now I understand rejoice to mean sort of welcoming in and enjoying and receiving and celebrating. So that's cool when it's all the good stuff. Rejoice as the next step. Believe in God. He's done the hard work. He's, he's finished off the deal. If we follow Him and serve Him, He credits that as righteousness to us. If we walk in His righteousness, we're justified because of Him and we live in peace and it says we get to rejoice. And that's okay. My brain goes, yeah, cool. We can rejoice when the things are really happening and it's wonderful. But it goes on to say, and we rejoice in our sufferings. I go, hey, hang on, hang on, hold the phone. We rejoice in our sufferings. So we go back a step, we go, hang on, all right. We get to rejoice in the good stuff. It says in, where is it, in verse 2, end of verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, that makes sense. I can get that. That's fairly easy to understand. I get to rejoice in the hope, what's to come, of the glory of God. I can understand partly God. That's good. So I can rejoice in God. God's amazing. God's huge. God's big. God's full of hope. God will change the world. I can rejoice in that. That's exciting. That's good. That makes sense. Stamp done. But then it goes on and says, and we rejoice in our suffering. I go, well, that doesn't sound very exciting. I don't think I want to play anymore. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Well, why is my question. The Bible goes straight on to answer my question. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So hang on. I can rejoice because of hope in the first instant, because of God and His glory and His power and His strength. But also, because that's coming, that's future, not all of that is here yet, coming. So the Bible says, but while you are on the journey of hope, while you are waiting for the completion of hope, while we are heading towards the glory of God, There will be a little bit of suffering. There will be a few things that aren't as easy to walk through. But don't stop, says the Bible. Don't give up. Keep rejoicing even in your suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. It takes us to the place we were going anyway. How good is that? We get it both ways. We can start right at the start and go, yes, I believe in God and I'm full of hope because He is God and He is full of glory and I'm on the train with the Lord Jesus and that's all true. But on the way, he says, when you come up against other stuff that hurts, don't get off the train because it's still going to the same place. The suffering leads to perseverance which develops your character and character development steps you into the place of hope, where we were headed anyway. So when you're walking through the rubbish that we all walk through in life, don't stop. Don't give up because you're going in the right direction. It's just that that's part of the process. It's part of the plan. It's part of the way that we learn and grow and develop. I go, wow, God, I wouldn't have chosen that. (laughs) I wouldn't have written that if I was God. I wouldn't have kind of, praise God, I'm not God. Praise God, you're God. And you know what you're doing. It's actually about looking forward and keeping moving forward despite the circumstances you may currently find yourself in. Keep moving forward. It's about staying sane in a crazy world. It's about learning a new normal setting new standards of behavior, new patterns of living, seeing opportunities in front of you. This week I found a website which was actually very interesting because I was, um, as you do, I watch a lot of late-night television. <laughs> That's not a confession, it sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just a fact. I like sport, and unfortunately they play most sport on the other side of the world. So, you know, anyone watch cricket last night? How good was the cricket last night? fantastic so yes uh, i watch a lot of sport it's always on late at night so i watch a lot of late night television Uh, i was flicking the other day you know between uh, i watched a bit of rugby too last night Uh, i didn't see the end did we win no you you do you watch it afterwards okay well we better watch it together and catch up when i turned it off we were one point up against south africa does anyone know we lost (laughs) never mind just have a moment for the australian team (laughs) Oh, Kuda didn't want to know that, sorry. (laughs) Just erase that from the CD, because Kuda doesn't want to know that Australia lost to South Africa. Thanks. (laughs) Anyway, Kuda, put your head back in the Bible. I was watching TV late the other night, and there was a show that was like from America, I think it was called 2020. It's like an ABC kind of current affair type thing. And they're doing a whole special on 2020 called The New Normal. I'm like, oh, that's got my attention. So I start watching it. Most of it was about money and economy and what's happened now because of the economy in America and how they're going to rebuild, blah, blah, blah. It was actually fascinating. Um, and it made me go and then jump on the web and type in The New Normal, which I thought, gee, after 11 weeks of preaching this, you'd think I would have actually done that at some point, but I haven't. So I Googled The New Normal to find out what might be there, and I found this website different to the ABC television program 2020, but nonetheless very interesting. This website actually called The New Normal, written by a man called Roger McNamee, not a tennis player, who is the author of a book called The New Normal, Great Opportunities in a time of great risk. I thought, this is interesting. I started reading it. Most of it was sort of financial. He's a financial sort of expert. uh, And he was talking about how to rebuild your life, blah, 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 with with money after difficult times. But the pillars underneath it, even though it was uh, just really about money, he actually starts to talk about more than just money in his, his sort of blogs on his website. And it was absolutely fascinating. This is the opening paragraph his website, it's only short, it says, wake up and smell the coffee. I thought, I like the guy already. (laughs) Wake up and smell the coffee, this is not your father's economy and it's not the boom that inflated our expectations and then exploded, but it's also not the doom and gloom that we've been mired in for nearly three years. So wake up and pull yourself together and get on with it with what you ask, with the rest of your life, I say. It's a bright and fresh world full of opportunities. I know that runs counter to many of the opinions all around us, but it's true, and I'll show you why. It's true for the investor, the entrepreneur, the CEO, the unemployed, and the human being seeking balance. This blog is dedicated to insights and discussion about life, business, and investment. I call it the new normal. Please join in. I thought, that's very, very interesting. In a nutshell, what's he saying? I pulled four things just quickly out of that. It's time to get on with the rest of your life. It's time to get on with the rest of your life even this man speaking mainly about finance recognizes that there is a season now and the world is starting to say that season is demanding a new normal a new normal a new way of doing things time to get on with the rest of your life it's a bright fresh world out there full of opportunities despite what other opinions may be saying go for it it's time to create and discover the new normal i thought well these are the words That are expressing the heart of just one bloke who's essentially a man who is only really talking about money and rebuilding your financial security but we have the words right here in this thing called the bible we have the words of the creator of the universe our god who seems to be saying to us at the same time the same sort of thing. Get up, stand up, take the opportunities that are in front of you, take a deep breath and go for it. Create a new normal based on my word, says God. Not based on the the blogs or the rambling of, of one man in a far country talking about financial security. That's interesting, but it won't change your life. But God, through His Word, speaking to us and saying, start thinking differently, create a new normal. That will change your life. That will radically change your life. And that's something we can base it on. So we take from that the same heart and we say, it's time to move forward. That's why we're doing the whole learn a new normal thing. It's time to move forward and it's time to combat some of the old ways of thinking. Staying sane in the midst of the craziness. How are we going to do that? Come with me quickly to Psalm 41. This was a psalm that uh, actually you guys would know Pastor Vicki dorazio or Dorazio Simpson. She's married now, has been to our church numbers of times, great friend of Nikki's and mine. And she's terrific. She gave me this, this psalm a couple of years ago as a prophecy and as a word of encouragement for where I was a couple of years ago. I was looking at it again a couple of weeks ago, talking to the staff about it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to just mention that as part of this morning. I want to read it and then there's just five really simple, it's very, very simple, keys, steps, whatever you want to call them, to staying sane in a crazy world, starting to move forward as we learn a new normal. Psalm 41. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. I said, "O Lord, have mercy on me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? Whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it abroad. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, A vile disease has beset him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. Even my close friends, whom I trusted, he who shared the bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, have mercy on me. You raise me up that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me in my integrity you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Rereading that in the last couple of weeks and thinking about it in terms of learning a new normal, just these five very quick, very simple, helpful hints, steps, keys to staying sane in the crazy world, to beginning to move forward in the practical application of learning a new normal. Number one, Accept God's love. Couldn't get any more simple than that. Accept God's love. Verse 1 is a statement of fact. It's delivered now in the present tense. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. God loves you. God looks after you. God blesses and delivers you now, right now. First key, first step to even beginning to think differently, to act in a manner that the world would see as strange and radically weird, learning a new normal, to be the people God has called us to be. It starts so simply. It starts right at the very beginning with accepting that God loves you. Accept God's love. Some of us sit there and go, well, that's really great, Tim, but that's nothing I didn't already know. Well, I think sometimes we actually forget. Or if we don't forget, we at least forget to remember the importance and the truth and the relevance and the strength of that simple sentence, God loves me. Go back to singing... Jesus loves me, yes, I know, for the Bible tells me so. Sing that to yourself a few times during the week and just grasp how unbelievable God is. God loves you. Number two, from verses two and three, as well as accepting God's love, accept God's promises. If verse one is a statement of fact now, it's present tense, this is what is happening right now. Verse two and three are promises of what's to come in the future. Future tense. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. These are what God promises to do ongoing in the future. He will protect you. He will preserve you. He will bless you. He will sustain and restore you. We must accept this as simple truth. Accept God's love Accept God's promises. Number three, accept God's forgiveness. Verses 4, 5, and 6, Lord, have mercy on me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies save me, this, that, and the other, but God forgives me if we repent. Exactly where we started in Romans 4, God will credit to us righteousness if we choose to believe. God will forgive us if we choose to repent. He can, he will, and he does. Accept that as simple truth. Accept God's love, accept God's promises, accept God's forgiveness. Fourth, practical, helpful, handy hint for staying sane in a crazy world. Number four, accept that people are not perfect except that people are not perfect. Verses 7, 8, and 9 remind us that people will hurt us. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me. They say this. They let me down, blah, blah, blah. Has anyone here ever not been offended or let down or upset by another human being? If so, I would really like to talk to you. This is the bit where the suffering... From Romans 5 kicks in. We read in Romans 5 that we're on the train bound for the hope of the glory of God and along the way we're going to bump into some suffering. We're reminded here in Psalm 41 where a lot of that will come from. It will come from other people who will say things about you, who will let you down, who will offend you, who will upset you, who will brush up against you, who will annoy you God says in that I'm still with you and I'm watching and I'll never place you in a position that you can't handle and I will never forsake you or leave you alone and I will stay with you right through the journey and in your suffering you are learning perseverance and as you develop perseverance you develop your character and as you develop character you live in hope. The hope of the glory of God. Accept that people are not perfect. Accept that as the truth. Last one of those five. Accept God's love. Accept God's promises. Accept God's forgiveness. Accept that people are not perfect. And finally, and in a sense, the hardest of all of them, accept your personal responsibilities. Verses 11, 12, and 13. Help me to remember that my role in this is clear. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. In my integrity you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. I have two roles, so do you, in order to keep my personal responsibilities in check. Number one is to praise God, to love and praise God. And, and that's really what Zoran was speaking about last week. Praising in the painful times. Painful praise gives birth to great and wonderful things. We need to be praising God and living with integrity. In my integrity you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. And, and it comes back, it's so simple in its structure, it comes back to exactly what we've been talking about, connect up, connect in, connect out. Our number one role is to praise God, relate to him, connect to him, connect up. And then it's about what happens in between us, our integrity, our character, our development, change. Then it's about taking it out to the world and making a difference. We've got to hang on to those simple, simple five keys. That's just five really practical, simple things from Psalm 41. But based on Romans 4 and 5, the understanding of walking through difficulties on the road to hope, staying sane in a crazy world. It's about acceptance. Accepting the truth about God, about others, and about yourself. Believing, not just believing in God, but believing God, taking Him at His word. When God says, I can do this, He means it, and He will do it. So, believing in God, and believing God, taking Him at His word. All good with that this morning? Beautiful work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we want to take on board what you have unpacked for us what you have highlighted to us. In Scripture, God, we understand that we're we're trying our hardest, Lord Jesus, to hear from you clearly what you want us to understand and put into our lives. You impart into our hearts, Lord Jesus, and our minds. God, teach us and show us, guide us and direct us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the Bible, the truth, today, 2,000 years after... Christ walked the earth more than two or three thousand years since some of these thoughts were originally penned through the Holy Spirit thank you that your word is still alive today thank you that as we read we can still grow and learn and be changed by your presence because you're here today as you promised that you would be thank you God thank you God as we learn allow what you want us to learn to be soaked into our heart to our spirit to our mind so that lord as we step out this week into our lives into our occupations our workplaces our our schools our universities our homes our streets our family connections our social groupings god as we're out there doing life we pray heavenly father that it would be your heart that shines through And we would, Heavenly Father, be making a concerted effort to discover, create, learn about, live in a new normal, a new way of doing things, which is according to your original plan, going back to the original plan of loving you, loving each other, and loving the world. God, help us to do that. Help us to keep it simple. Help us to not be overly confusing or trying to be so theological and deep that we're of no use, Lord Jesus, help us to hear clearly how you want us to behave and what you would have us do. You're a mighty God, Lord Jesus. We love you. We bless you. We thank you. We thank you. And we look forward, Lord Jesus, to opportunities this week great opportunities to step into the things that you're calling us to God open doors that we can boldly walk through helping people to find you and connect with you changing the world one life at a time in your name for you as guided by you thank you Lord thank you God praise your name Amen 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 Why don't you simply turn to the person next to you and smile? Just smile. Tell them it's good to see you. We'll let the musos play, but we'll finish it there. Bless you heaps. Have a great week.